It's over, Zach. We'll end this season with the Grinch. That's a high note. You underestimate my power. Don't try it. I want to do another episode on Home Alone! Ow! Ow! You are the chosen one. You are supposed to make jokes and do what I say. Not have your own opinion. Oh yeah? I have an opinion for you. I hate Star Wars fans! You were my brother. And I love. Wait a minute. Did you just drop an opinion on Star Wars? Yes. Now, about that new Home Alone episode. Take a seat, young Smith Michaels. We will never do another Home Alone episode. I sense a podcast about Star Wars on the horizon. We'll record that, and then I'll head to the beach for Christmas vacation. Oh, to feel the sand between my toes. I don't like sand. No, no, no. Stop. Roll the music. Welcome to Is It Really, My Young Padawans. We challenge popular opinions about movies. I'm Jedi Master Brandon. I'm Zach Kenobi. And I'm Mitch Solo. And tonight we're sparking our lightsabers and asking, is the Force still with us? Zach, give us the plot. Look, Star Wars, the original non-special edition trilogy, is the greatest trilogy of all time, and three crappy prequels and a polarizing trilogy can't tarnish that. Say trilogy again. Trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong, Annie? I... I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them! (laughs) Wolf. Well, an audience grew up with this trilogy, and they love it. Why? (laughs) It It is funny that you bring that up because let's bring up the elephant in the room. Jar Jar Binks has kind of gone from a character we don't speak of to people kind of going like, I, I like him. He's kind of funny. So I think that for some people, this was their introduction to Star Wars for a yeah. lot of our generation. I think so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to me, they kind of feel like fan fiction a little bit, even though George Lucas made them, which... I personally think is why the prequels lend themselves to a lot of extended universe stories, because I think there's kind of kernels of good ideas in there that just aren't fully executed on. There's a lot to really like in the prequels. Let's just start with that. Like in Phantom Menace, like pod racing. Very, very cool. Duel the Fates. Very, very cool. 
Keep going. Other movies. There are other movies that exist. They they do a lot of jumping high in the air. Um, but then, you know, you have to listen to the other two hours of movie. Uh, right. And even the pod race is like 25 minutes long. Well, well, the big thing about these movies is they start big, they end big. Like, I remember mm. when I was a kid seeing Attack of the Clones in theaters and like just running out of the theater with my mind blown about the um, gladiator ripoff scene on Geonosis, the arena. Yeah. I remember leaving like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. That was so cool. And then when I got it on, you know, video and was watching it at home, there was a lot of, oh, I, I forgot about all this other stuff. I think that makes a good point. I feel like most people probably didn't feel as negatively as they do about the prequels, Absolutely. like when they first saw them. Absolutely. You know, I, I feel like we all had a little bit of an adrenaline rush, maybe that was making us feel better about them than we would later. Absolutely. Because I remember liking them a lot when I first saw them. It shaped what so. I thought Star Wars was. I didn't watch the OG yeah. trilogy until college. So my idea of what Star Wars was is like, oh, these big operatic kind of mm. like, you know, very stoic kind of movies where people talk in British accents. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then when I got to the OG, I was like, oh, this is like kind of ragtag and scrappy and a lot more pulpy and more fun. Right. So yeah. it's interesting. I think that kind of colors multiple generations of how they see the franchise and what they think it should be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I saw Phantom Menace. So my introduction to Star Wars was through the toys. I remember being at like some toy store when I was a kid and seeing Phantom Menace toys and going, oh, this this looks really, really cool. And my dad then got Phantom Menace and I watched it. And I remember as a kid just not being that impressed by it. I think I was in kindergarten and I was like, maybe I'm too young or maybe maybe I just don't get it. And I don't know. But then when I saw 77 for the first time, I was like, oh, this I relate to this and I like this. And th these are characters I'm connecting with. Like, that's more like it. I'm going to call BS on that. Okay. I, I, I feel like... <laughs> why would I, I feel no, like... No, no, no. Tell, why would a kindergartner enjoy Senate meetings and boring stuff? Well, pod racing. I think Phantom Menace is tailor-made for like a younger crowd. See, yeah. here's the like, thing. I remember there were spurts of like, oh, that's kind of cool. But my general reaction at the end, and it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I heard it. But at the end, just like being kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, OG I'm, 77 is like tailor-made for the convention crowd, the yeah, sci-fi convention, yeah. where Phantom <laughs> Menace is like for kids. Yeah, I agree, Brandon. It's it's more kid-friendly. I remember when I was a kid, like the Senate meetings, I would like I was in the other room playing with toys, and then I would hear like, oh, are the lightsabers back up? Cool. And then, oh, all right, I'm I'm dipping back out again. I remember it not holding my my attention when it wasn't loud and colorful. Well, you obviously weren't paying attention to Jar Jar the way you should have been. Because <laughs> he's very colorful. That's, that's, I, I don't think I was paying attention to him. You're exactly right. No, I don't think it's impossible that you didn't care for the movie or it lost your attention. I think what I'm saying is I have a hard time believing that you had like the... Um, you had the discernment to identify Phantom Menace as like a not entertaining movie, but you, and you saw 77 and said, this one is, you know, I think Phantom Menace of the two, like, would, I just feels to me like if you were watching Phantom Menace and you, you had on, a, you know, A New Hope 
in different rooms and the kids were like going to gravitate more towards one. It would be like a Phantom Menace. That's yeah, a, it's, it sounds odd. It sounds like Inspector Gadget was on and you're like, oh, give me all the president's <laughs> men. That's a much better, you know, <laughs> right. like here's something I want to say about the prequels. Uh, we have lumped them together. Uh, we've generalized right. about them for a long time. They're all bad. This is better than the prequels. Uh, which I think is unfair. It's not necessarily true. I think we do it because they're collectively bad in comparison to the original trilogy, but we should judge each of the movies on its own merits. Sure. uh, I think Revenge of the Sith is more interesting to me or more entertaining to watch than some of the other Star Wars movies that exist. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. I would rather watch that than Solo. There there are merits to some of these prequel moments and, and even the movies themselves. That's a good point. I feel like we need a scalpel when we talk about the prequels, like we have to go in and slice and dice and mm-hmm. surgically remove like this is a bad part. This is a good part. Like sure. there's I feel like there isn't anything you can put your finger on like as a whole. Yeah. It, it's like, well, I kind of like that and I kind of like that. And there is like good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like it needs a little more of a trained eye to decipher. I'll say there's good stuff in one and three. I find two <laughs> quite unredeemable. Yeah. I think I'm going to like Dooku every time I watch it. Mm. And then I just sigh to myself. He's yeah. Yeah. so much worse than he should be. An Attack of the Clones is just very, you have a 50s diner and you have some weird romance and more mm-hmm. rules. That's the thing. Like, I don't care for the way that the prequels turn the Jedi into just these like boring rule follower type guys mm-hmm. i i think that's the big thing like the jedi are kind of lame in, in yeah the they're like ancient monks yeah i want to continue with this line of thought but first let's ask the next question yes yes what's the worst part about the prequels and i want to keep going on this thread for me the worst part of the prequels is the 100 percent cgi world that yes. we're in there's nothing about these movies that makes them feel real like the scenes are just fake And to me, I watch one and it is so terrible. The CGI is awful. Right. There's really like there's really bad parts. And when I finished, I was like, oh, Attack of the Clones is going to be better than this because to me, the CGI is the worst part. And then things like the um, 50s diner, the the, the diner (laughs) with with Dex and all these things start happening. I'm like, oh, no. This one's even worse. Like you're just hit one after another after another with these things that make <laughs> even, the movie. And you know, even like three grading. doesn't look that great anymore. Like the opera house scene, yeah. which is held as the best moment in the prequels and a lot of people's eyes, that scene looks horrible. It looks like a video game to yeah. me. Yeah. But go back to when the movies came out. Sure, let's be sure. fair, right? Like right. These, this is the early two thousands, now nineties for some of the others. Like Yeah, no, I agree. Also the racism. Yeah. <laughs> Wolf. The mm-hmm. Viceroy. Mm. Oh, the Viceroy. I do an impression, but I don't want to <laughs> offend my lord. Like, it's so, it's so bad. It's not- it is. I think there are, like, easy things to point to. Hayden's performance, you know. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks, the Viceroy, those are... Hayden's performance you know, actually baffles me. He yeah. does yeah. not have one good moment. Yeah. I don't think he has one good scene. You know what's weird? When he doesn't have dialogue and he just has to stand there and look intimidating, there's a lot of scenes where he looks like freaky and scary and then he opens his mouth. I don't think he knows what the word operative means. Well, I mean, to his credit, aside from Ewan, no one is giving a good performance in these movies. Like George Lucas, people have said he is not an actor's director. 
That's right. He just kept going. Yeah. Which is insane. Like, these are the most expensive movies being made at the time. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I just find it hard to believe that there was no one saying, hey, I wonder if Hayden could use another take on that scene. You know, no one was saying that. There's a really, really interesting documentary about the making of Phantom Menace that came with the DVD where like Steven Spielberg shows up on set and like George Lucas is telling them about the battle droids and he's saying like, yeah, these guys are pretty useless and the Jedi just kind of cut them down like they're butter. And Steven Spielberg, who you would think would be like, oh, George, don't you want there to be like a legitimate threat? He goes like, oh, that's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my. I do feel like, not to hang out with the battle droids too much, but I think about, so I think about a movie like Infinity War and the kind of soldiers that we were introduced to from Thanos' army, you know, they were like vicious, they weren't easy to kill. They they looked intimidating. They they just gave the battles like more of a. Um, They're a threat. Yeah. Them, they they gave uh, them. You I know. disagree. <laughs> it's faceless hordes of enemies. That is so boring to me to watch. I I thought to myself, you know what would improve the prequels dramatically? Make them people. Yeah. Start off with people from the, and make us actually grapple with. Yeah, the Jedi had to kill a lot of people. They're a military power. Mm. And in right. the third movie, they're talking about a military coup of the government. And here's another thing that we have to think about. You have the stormtroopers in the original who are people, but think about what had happened to the PG rating by the time the prequels were coming out. You can't have them killing people. They have to be these lifeless, useless battle droids. Yeah, which just means every battle has no stakes. It doesn't mean anything. So I I don't care. Yeah. And and I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. Like they're going for that kids movie PG vibe in the prequels. But you look at like Force Awakens, which opens with blood on the PG 13 space and and it's PG 13. But I think a lot of people took their kids to see that kind of movie. Yeah. I don't know. If you're going to go watch a movie like Star Wars, you should be ready for some intense scenes. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, this is splitting hairs. It it doesn't matter. It really, Yeah, it is. It is. But (laughs) I think there is a there is a thread to pull on here and kind of what they did with the soldiers and just the feel of these battles gave it like a very vanilla, low stakes feel. Well, yeah. And it's also the thing of more is better. Like we have four battles at the end of Phantom Menace Four. We needed two of them, maybe. Right, 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 right. I agree. Yeah, it's hard to care about all that stuff happening at once. The thing that really frustrates me about the prequels the most is, and you'd mentioned this, Zach, how they treat the Jedi. Yeah. And this is why I kind of alluded to, I wish there'd been a little bit more conviction in how they're treated. Like, they're either like this military peacekeeping force or they're not. Like, they're simultaneously like religious, (laughs) you know, peaceful monks. And also they're mowing people down. Right. Uh, And it just feels a little bit muddy to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's hard for me to root for them. Right. Especially I keep lingering on the third because I just think more happens in revenge. But yeah, I don't root for them. They do feel villainous to me, how they're talking about seizing power. And I get why Anakin would side with his friend instead of these mean, mean Jedi who have been nothing but mean to him. I sense a great deal of confusion in you, young Skywalker. Well, then talk to me about it. Like, let's go for a walk or a coffee at that 50s diner and you could maybe, (laughs) I don't know, mentor. Yeah, you know what it is? It's toxic masculinity. That's what I just like. It's a boys club. The Jedi Order is just men. There's a few girls you see uh, eventually, but none of them are on the council that we can tell. And the movies, uh, I think both trilogies are really about boys turning into men. 
but the Jedi mm-hmm. are all about suppressing your emotions. And so not no getting wonder married. he turns into Hitler. Yeah, and not getting married. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible, terrible idea. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Like, literally, they rip him from his mother and leave his mom in slavery. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. Do, they, what do they expect to happen? Like, here's the thing. Qui-Gon is a morally ambiguous character. He cheats Watto frequently. He uses the Force to get the die to work in his will. He tries to Jedi mind trick him to give him those Republic credits that don't work to get what he wants. Like, he is not a good man. So it's like, well, why don't you just go all the way, go back with your lightsaber and say, Watto, I'm taking the boy and his mother. And when he goes, no, you're not. (laughs) Okay, see ya. (laughs) No, my father didn't fight in the wars. He was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals, thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. I wish I'd known him. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. I understand you've become quite a good pilot yourself. And he was a good friend. Just give me chills. Well, why is this the perfect trilogy? Okay, it isn't. (laughs) Let's start there. No, there's no way. I'll even concede it's two perfect movies. Well, let's, uh, what at least makes these movies work really well? I think one of the big criticisms that people have of 77 is that it's slow. And I would say that for me, it takes its time. I think of this movie like dinner. You have to eat your salad and you have to eat your vegetables. But as a result, once you've done all that, then we get to Moss Eisley, where you already know Luke, you already know Obi-Wan, you're familiar with the Force, you know what's going on, enough to where now we can just go full steam ahead into that steak portion of our dinner. And yeah, I think I think it takes its time to make you to care about the characters. I have one question, though. Okay. Are you taking a stance against calling this movie A New Hope? Yeah, it's not called A New Hope. So I just wanted to be clear about that because I noticed there's a distinct lack of A New Hopiness. Yeah, no, that's not the title. In your, in, your, in your dialogue. Yeah, it's, it's Star Wars 1977. Okay. Well, it's called A New Hope to me. Because the first time I watched it, said a, a new hope right there on that VHS. That's fine. Cartridge. It's, so and it's about hope that is new. So uh, well titled. I will be referring to this as a new hope. That's fine. I think the cast is one thing that absolutely really helps hit a home run here. You have a cast that has great chemistry. Yeah. Which seems to be an anomaly in some of the other installments. But these three, this trio, you know, really works. And I think it's funny. I think back to the, the our hocus pocus episode when we were like, what's the best, you know, movie trio? Luke, and, Leia, Han, that's up there. And I think that has got to be one of the best. That's got to be I one mean, of the best trios. And, and I think what makes Empire so good is the groundwork that the first Star Wars does. You already know the characters. You already know the Force. You've already spent time in the world. You already like these characters because that first movie is so good. And then Empire just gets to run full speed ahead non-stop for two hours and again like that's i'm not saying that that's bad like look if you say either star wars or empire strikes back is your favorite that's that's the right answer they're both neck and neck for me i just think that the movies kind of are i don't want to say codependent but they're just a great pairing of having both of those together 
There's also something about being the original of something that to me makes it at least gives it a good case for being the best of something. When we start seeing additional installments, there's like a a decent amount of the story that has to be regurgitated in order to make it feel like it's a part of the original thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that could lead to like certain elements becoming stale. I think when you're, you know, you're dropping A New Hope for the first time and you're dropping Empire Strikes Back, you've got this fresh, this brand new story. This is a, this is a brand new thing that no one's ever heard of before. Right, right. And we're experiencing all these things for the first time. You know, I think you got the prequels and the, you know, the new trilogy and it's like, we're fairly familiar with a lot of the uh, things that could happen here, you know? Another thing is these movies aren't afraid to have a sense of humor. Like, like, I see where they're trying to be funny in the prequels, but I think there are some genuinely hilarious moments in this original trilogy. One of my favorites is when they're dressed as stormtroopers on the Death Star and they have that big shootout and someone comes on and uh, Han Solo goes, we're, we're fine here. We're, we're all fine. How are you? <laughs> like, it's just, it's a really funny moment that... Who is this? Yeah, who is this? <laughs> Boring conversation anyway. And it's got the one-liners and those characters are so cool and so fun. So, like, that's what I really like is just well-realized characters in a well-realized world. Well, if I could juxtapose, we were just talking about the prequels with these movies. For me, what you're saying, Zach, is, like, it blends humor and it blends seriousness and it blends all of these things really well. It integrates uh, a lot of different elements. Like, it's a space epic, but there's, like, Western in there and there's adventure movie in there. Right. Where the prequel trilogy, to me, is more muddy. Yeah, it's trying to integrate a lot of like religious iconography and political iconography, and it just doesn't really land. Right. So I think the OG trilogy is really just more balanced. Like New Hope yeah, lays the I groundwork. Agree. Empire does the same thing, just with a little bit more. Now we're right. blending in some more genres. Yeah. Return of the Jedi, same thing. We're just going to end it now. Like, it's not so drastically different that it's difficult for me to get a sense of what I'm watching. Right. Now, Mm -hmm. it grieves me to say this. Let's bring up the Bantha in the room, Return of the Jedi. This feels like three different movies to me. Yeah. It is three different movies. You have Jabba's Palace, which I like that stuff. I'm like, this is this is kind of cool. And then you have them taking down the Death Star and the Ewoks that kind of all lumped together. And then you have Vader's Redemption Arc, which is kind of the most interesting. But it seems like the movie is almost afraid to take a step back and to kind of reestablish things with Vader and Luke. And it's really just like that one. I feel like Empire is standing on the first Star Wars shoulders. And I feel like Return of the Jedi is just, you know, using it as a crutch more so like, well, you've seen these movies and they don't really do anything new with those characters. It's just like, well, you know that Vader is Luke's dad. And then they kind of just don't go into any more of that. They just pay it off. No. Yeah. I struggled, Brandon, when you said like the cast is such a, a strong element because they're really strong in two of the three movies really, Mm -hmm. really underutilized in return. Sure. Uh, Han and Leia don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're bumbling. Like, it it really is frustrating to me. And and Zach, you mentioned earlier in one of your comments, uh, I can take two of the four battles. I can take two thirds of this movie. Yeah. And have a great movie. Yeah. I don't hate the Ewoks. I think they're cute. It's fun to watch little things be violent. But it's (laughs) just a third of the movie at the Build-A-Bear Workshop I don't need. That distracts from the better Vader stuff. Yeah. Like, what if that was the last outpost and they had to take it out, but Vader's also on that planet it's it's an easy fix 
Just get rid of the merch stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, because Return of the Jedi was my favorite. Me too. In the very beginning. Same. And I'm having a hard time putting my finger on why it was. I think it's probably because there was action and it was like a huge battle. And I think to me, I was always really weird about the more like raw elements of Star Wars. Like all the stuff on Dagobah always weirded me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, all the stuff on Hoth was a little strange to me. So like Empire Strikes Back was my least favorite. Gotcha. So like I was really weird about what I liked and what I didn't like when I was younger. Everything was palatable in Return of the Jedi. And now I see it completely different. I agree with what you guys are saying. I think it's just more of a, there was more of an evolution there for me. Most people that I talk to who are big Star Wars fans, Return of the Jedi was their favorite when they were kids. And I think because when you're a kid, it's the most accessible. Like it's the most Maybe. like... I don't want to say goofy, but it's the most like haha funny. It's the most broad. Yeah. Is yeah, what that's it. At. It's the most broad. Uh, Luke comes in and force chokes two sons of guns right away. And he's in his cool it. black outfit. I love it. Yeah. There's people <laughs> rolling around in the forest. It's broad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I really we were talking about characters also in humor is I love how these movies also use humor to kind of lead you off the trail. Like the first time you meet Yoda and he's just kind of this alert little bit annoying puppet where he's like eating all Luke's food and like just kind of (laughs) and you're kind of the audience you're like yeah he's kind of a goofy guy but like let's get to Yoda and it's a thing it's so clever because you're literally in Luke's shoes where you're like where's this great warrior supposed to be and then on a dime Yoda just goes from this goofy guy to just you're not ready and it's mm-hmm. that slow reveal where you realize with Luke, you're like, oh my gosh, like I-, I get this. Yeah. Yeah. I think before we even were able to realize what was going on, we find out that Yoda was testing Luke, testing his patience, his temperament. And yeah, it is a really good moment. And Yoda has maybe my favorite line in that movie when he lifts the X-Wing out of the water and then Luke runs over and he goes, I can't believe it. And he just goes, that is why you fail. I'm like, that's good writing. (laughs) That's just just good writing. Uh, I always thought he teed him up a little bit, but I do love that exchange. (laughs) And the whole, like, Luke gives up. It's impossible. I can't do this. And then, and then Yoda, you know, just, (laughs) just without, yeah, barely even trying, just uh, lifts the ship up. I think the fact that Yoda is able to demonstrate and he's still got it. Right. You know, he can still do all these things. He's still very much in control of the force and or able to utilize the force the way he did in his um, in his younger years. And I think that is one thing that helps Luke really grasp what that means to be a Jedi and like what a Jedi can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about Lando Calrissian. Just uh-huh. super cool, super fun character. But I was reading Mitch's notes earlier and he wrote he and Han are just friends again. They're and- cool now. Yeah, and I was ready, like, I was thinking in my mind of an argument, and I was like, well, it's established that, like, they've betrayed each other before, and that, like, this, you know, this happens, I was like, no, Jedi doesn't take that moment. Like, I think about that scene of those two together, (laughs) having that out, I'm like, that could be funny, that could be serious, there's a lot to do with that, and they just, nothing? No, they're like, chill, they're goofy with each other later in the movie, which is strange to me, I'm like, why don't you kill them? (laughs) I just don't, I don't get it. He betrayed how, you. How awesome would just like a, a sucker punch been from Han yeah. Solo? And oh, like... That would great. A, a, a room clearing brawl. Yeah. I would have loved even just like if there was a little moment when they're at the Sarlacc pit and the thing's got its tongue around Lando and it's pulling him and Han's just like, 
Wait, wait, I can see. If there's just a moment where you see it cross Han's face where he thinks about shooting him, and then he just... Like, I was like, yeah. if there was just one little, like, just something. Yeah, you sold me out to the Empire, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just one... Yeah. Han, I think, is neutered in Return of the Jedi. I, I agree. Really do. I He's agree. neutered. He's not Han Solo anymore. Yeah, hey, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think in that, your quote right there is like a little bit of like, let's give Han, let's have him be a little of that original flyboy character. It's like this feigned attempt, you know, like it's nothing great. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's my big thing. In the original Star Wars, he's the guy who, while Greedo has him at gunpoint, is able to slyly unholster his pistol, slide it out, and then shoot Greedo without Greedo knowing what hit him. Mm. In Return of the Jedi, he's Greedo trying to shoots sh- first. No, Greedo does not shoot first. He, <laughs> Greedo doesn't shoot, period. So, in Return of the Jedi, he's trying to sneak up on the stormtrooper, and he steps on a twig. Yes. Yeah. Which also sounds like a bottle rocket took off. <laughs> like, have you ever noticed that twig is like the loudest twig? It's like... Phew. I was like, yeah. whoa, what did he, I, I thought he stepped on like some type of sensor or like a trap or something. Yeah. It's so loud. It's just, yeah. that's just a twig. Yeah. Uh, well, real quick, Lucas infamously kept re-releasing special editions and they're horrible. Right, yeah. Zach? Absolutely. How do you feel about the special editions? Star Wars means more to me than, than a lot of people. Star Wars as a <laughs> what? Like, well, here's the thing. Real talk. This podcast probably doesn't exist if I hadn't seen Star Wars. Like the first time I saw Star Wars, I was just like, yes, like I got really into creative writing at school. I got more into like reading and storytelling. I used to record the dialogue and like put it on a cassette tape and listen to it at school, stuff like that. So I love Star Wars. And then to go and change that, like I get it as a director, if you want to go back and change it, that's fine. But to not let us have the original, because that's the thing, like if he was releasing these special editions and you still had easy access to the originals, fine, go ahead do that but the fact that he's putting out these new ones saying like no like this is what exists now now you have jedi rock now you have jabba in the first movie and to not have access to the original thing that we fell in love with i just don't get it i do think him tweaking incessantly with his product is a little irritating i think there is a way to do it like if he wanted to change a few things update a few things like the original is still for sale you can still buy the 1977 classic in its original form here's Here's a digitally remastered anniversary edition that you can buy with some special effects. Right. I think just totally getting rid of the original does bother me. Yes, that does bother me. But I will say that I don't ram this one with my head the way you do. Like, I feel like those to me, when I was seeing those, you know, special editions, I saw the re-release in the theaters Mm. and this was like, I was at the age when I wanted newer effects. Okay. Star Wars always felt dated to me, you know, when at that age and like explosion with the ring around it and all that stuff. I was like, whoa, (laughs) that's awesome. Some of the changes I like, actually, like the lightsabers look better. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not saying that they're all awesome. Like for me, like the effects, you want to update those? Go ahead. It's just the adding the new scenes, adding Vader saying no when he's throwing the Emperor down the shaft, the Jedi Rock song, all of that (laughs) stuff. I'm like, no, thank you. Jedi Rock is the worst thing to happen to America since the Great Depression. It's it's awful. (laughs) Uh, I do want to throw in that originally we were going to call this episode is George Lucas the Phantom Menace. And this this would be the singular reason why, right? I mean, like the tweak and then the, the, the prequels, prequels uh, too. The yeah. prequel, their entire existence. Some of the nonsense of in the prequels. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I feel like oh, some of the, the additions were absolutely nonsense, but there were some things that I liked. So I think I'm somewhere in the middle, Zach. <laughs> Zach's face, he just looks dead inside right now. I think he's frozen. Oh, he's frozen. <laughs> I was like, how much did That would have been him? funny, though, if he held that for <laughs> yes, that long. Han Solo. I feel like he's the father you never had. He would have disappointed you. Get out of my head. I know you've seen the map. It's in there. And now you'll give it to me. Don't be afraid. I feel it too. I'm not giving you anything. We'll see. You... You're afraid. That you will never be as strong as Darth Vader. Well, this trilogy has been very polarizing. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Just kind of in general here. I just want to jump in and say I love Adam Driver. Yeah, we can continue yeah. with the conversation now, but he's great. <laughs> he's wonderful. This cast is great. It's a great cast. Yeah, I don't think they get as much credit. Yeah, they're good. Uh, and there's some really good acting happening. I love like Finn's arc. I think mm -hmm. Adam Driver as a villain is more interesting to me in some ways than Vader. OK, but they really just lampoon him online. Mm. Like he's a sad yeah. boy. Well, the Internet has been very unkind to these movies as they've started to be unkind towards the original trilogy as well. I think what I noticed on this watch through is we were talking about the original Star Wars. It it takes its time setting up the characters and setting up the world. And Force Awakens is just kind of a nonstop thrill ride. Like it kind of felt yeah. like they wanted to do Empire, but without taking quite as much time. And I think that's kind of where the movie suffers the most in that not as much time or care has been placed into it. Also, another thing I was thinking about is I don't think anyone is making these movies and saying to themselves, let's make the best Star Wars movie ever. You know what I mean? I think Ryan yeah. Johnson did that. Sure. I think he tried to. And, you know, people got mad at him. But I think yeah. that when they set out to make this trilogy, they were like, let's make a sequel to a trilogy but they weren't necessarily saying, let's make the best Star Wars trilogy ever. Well, look who owns it now. Right. It's Disney. Yeah. yeah. You think they care about you? No. <laughs> That's no. what I'm saying. <laughs> we agree on this. Yeah. They want your money. <laughs> right. They're milking you. And poor Ryan Johnson. Yeah. I really, really like Last Jedi. And I know, like, every time I say that, people are just like, oh, well, well you're wrong. And I'm like, well, why am I wrong? And no one has given me an answer yet. They just talk about how they talk about the casino planet, which, you know, I concede it's not great. Yeah. But yeah, then it's not perfect. But then like they talk about like nothing. I can't think of a legitimate argument that I've received from someone about why they don't like Last Jedi. 
Well, let's frame it this way. I think what you said about Force Awakens about it, like it jumps right in and it's New Hope, but it's faster. What a lot of people really like about that movie is what some people don't. It's it's very similar to the original trilogy. Sure. So yeah. you either love that or you don't. Right. Like, I don't care. It doesn't as much me. for it because it, it feels very similar but I still like the movie. Right. Last Jedi has the opposite criticism, right? So you're, <laughs> I feel like there's two camps. You can't win. Uh, really. If, do you want, yeah. Do you want Star Wars to be new uh, or do you want it to be this old thing? Uh, and there's no middle ground. Yeah. You can't win. Yeah. I think what we're dealing with here is like a, like an attempt after the prequels. It's like, okay, so we're going to do this. We really have to nail right. it. This mm-hmm. has to be a home run. Yeah. The prequels are like... I've done all this damage. They're considered an embarrassment at this point. Yes. They may have been financially successful, but they're considered a detriment to the, the series. So I feel like they say, let's go with a proven formula. Right. We know that A New Hope is a known commodity that was successful. Everyone loves that story. Let's put a twist on that. Let's dress it differently, yes. but do that. I think that was like their safe bet. Right. You know, we know that this story is a winner story. Let's introduce this new cast. I feel like, though, with this movie came out, Force Awakens, I really felt like this is the Star Wars release I was waiting for in my life. Sure, sure. I got the prequels and, you know, whatever I thought about them at the time, it ends up just I have, you know, kind of like sour memories about that now, you know, and mm-hmm. I was like, OK, someone actually took care of this product yeah. and crafted something that they cared about. It felt like the the prequels was really like writing the success of the original trilogy. Right. You know, like, hey, Star Wars is a winning franchise no matter what we put on the screen. You know, I, that is a very general statement about the prequels. But I really feel like someone took great care in crafting Force Awakens. Yeah, and I, I really want to jump on that, Brandon, because I completely agree with what you're saying. I think that the the new trilogy has been maybe more lovingly crafted than anything we've gotten in decades in the Star Wars world. Like, George Lucas, I think, cares about these movies, but when you hear about how he directed and how he just kind of plugged along to get them done and he didn't take that kind of care. Every shot of Force Awakens feels made with intentionality. Yes. There's a lot more interesting things happening with the cinematography. Right. Uh, The characters are, I feel like, just more thoughtfully framed. And this person's going to do this. This person's going to do that. So I, I do think that they're really, really trying it's just now an impossible task to please yeah. everyone because our expectations mm-hmm. are so, so much higher. Right. Yeah. I think there is something to the, the fact that like what you said, Mitch, like this has been crafted with some more care than we've seen in a while. Even like even the original, even the original trilogy, yeah. which I agree. W- like there's nothing before that. So George Lucas is creating this thing. And he doesn't know quite what he has yet, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, he's, he's assembling the movie. He's make, he makes, he ends up making a great movie and trilogy right. yeah. uh, this time, but with the, with the new trilogy, they've got this like Holy grail yeah. that they've, that they're holding. You know what I'm saying? They have the keys to the castle and they are also being reverent mm-hmm. and, and treating, treating the source material with respect. I think there's something to that element also. Right. You know, that that even that you wouldn't you just couldn't have with the original trilogy. And I think mm-hmm. another thing yeah. like and again, I I say this and I can see a lot of people thinking that this doesn't hold that much water as an argument. A big thing that the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy didn't have working against it was the Internet. 
The yeah, thing, absolutely. the big thing with Last Jedi is when I left that movie, I didn't know how I felt. I was just like, when I left the theater, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, let me sit and, and wrestle with that for a bit. And I think a lot of people felt that way. And instead of, you know, kind of going, well, how do I feel about this? They went to some internet website where someone mm-hmm. was like, here's why it's bad. And the other thing is like, when did Force Awakens tell you that Ray's parents were of significance? When did they tell you that Snoke was of significance? Like that was all the internet. That was everyone. Ray is a Kenobi or Snoke is really this person. The movies never set that up. So you're going in disappointed based on something of your own making. It's funny because I love Last Jedi. It's like my second or third favorite, but I would disagree with those moments are not given significance. Like the lightsaber literally calls out to her like Excalibur. Sure, so there is sure, sure. something that implies a shared connection. But I, I think I disagree with I like the Internet's that. perspective of these are checkoff guns like it, it has to be paid right. off. Uh, I, I completely disagree that that's a criteria for being good writing. Uh, right. You know, the Coen brothers have made a career off subverting expectations and saying this actually doesn't matter. So, you know, if they can do it. Why can't we accept it with Star Wars. And I think the answer to that is we have been told for 30 years, everything in a Star Wars movie is sacred. Right, right. Uh, And now this one movie says, actually, it doesn't have to be sacred. It can be something else. Right. The thing that makes me the craziest, not the craziest, but one of the things that makes me really crazy (laughs) is when people try to dismiss Last Jedi under the banner of, well, Mark Hamill doesn't like it. Yeah, I so don't what? Care. Like, who cares? He yeah. still took yeah. the check, though. Like, so I clearly, I yeah. clearly it didn't make him that mad and that he probably had a great time taking And he's great in Last Jedi. I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. I love him in Last Jedi. But I remember him saying, I fundamentally disagree with what you've done with this character. Well, he said that he said that to Ryan Johnson. And I was like, but Luke is like a whiny wimp. <laughs> In the original trilogy, like, let's be honest, like the thing, the cool thing when you look at Luke, and that's not a problem. No, that's just who no, no, he is I, as a character. That's not, not a, a problem, problem at all. Like when yeah, you look at Luke, aside from and here's another thing. When people were saying that Ray was a was a Mary Sue, people were pointing at Luke Skywalker and they're like, oh, well, well, so is he. And like, no, he's not. First thing, the sand people beat him up. And then after that, in the bar, he gets knocked over. Obi-Wan has to come in and save him. And then on the Death Star, Leia has to save him. The only thing he does in that movie is he gets that one shot when uh, Obi-Wan says, use the force. Then he basically fails his training in Empire Strikes Back. Then he loses his fight to Darth Vader in that movie. Then he gets in that thing with the Rancor and he loses his fight to Darth Vader at the end of the movie. So it's a thing like he's a character who is whiny, who needs a lot of people. And now he's kind of a whiny old grumpy man and like, I let everybody down. So I'm living on this island in solace. I'm like, that tracks that tracks for his character. Yeah, I don't want to paint every Last Jedi detractor as sexist or no, as no. racist or as I have dumb. plenty of friends who I love um, and respect who don't like the movie. Right. And ab- that's fine. Absolutely. It is the vitriol for moments, though, like Ray being able to do things that that to me can be sometimes a little off putting. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like. Luke isn't supposed to be challenged by Rey. He's supposed to be cool and be more powerful now. And that, that is frustrating to me because it feels like it's coming from a place of 
sometimes of gender discrimination. Yeah, like when has Luke ever been cool aside from when he walked in at the beginning of Return of the Jedi in that black cloak? Like he's awesome in that scene, but... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I I think that there are people who watch these movies and I don't like Poe being thwarted by Leia and Laura Dern. I don't like Rose being the moral authority over Finn. I want uh, these guys to be cool space cowboys and... Uh, It does feel kind of gross to me morally. So sometimes that is a factor, I think. I think with Force Awakens at the end and the lightsaber battle and suddenly Rey is is able to hold her own contend with with. Yes, hold her own contend with Kylo Ren. I think for me personally, I felt the same way. And I think it's because we know one thing about Jedi and the Star Wars franchise. Jedis have to be ushered along and trained. I think that's one thing that has been like instilled in us. And like, that's one thing that's been raked over the coals. Like Jedi have to be trained. You have to be trained. You have to be trained. You don't know anything until you're trained. And I think, I think that like breaking those tropes, which I'm totally in favor of is something that gets people a little uneasy. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, she has no training. She's also quite a bit older you know, then we've seen right. a Jedi start out I like think she's it's a newer she's character qu- thing, though, because like we watch little boy Anakin Padre. take out battalions. Yeah, not just Padres take out battalions of military trained fighters uh, in that in that ship. Right. In the first movie, and we're like, well, we Padres, same thing. Right. Right. So we're willing to make the leap. Well, and I think we're like, oh, well, that's yeah, Darth Vader. I mean, and I think the other thing is that. Force Awakens frequently reminds us of how unstable Kylo Ren is in that like, because I remember the first time I saw it when he goes Hulk on like his computer system with his laptop. I remember thinking, that's weird. I don't know how I feel about that. And then that scene that we just looked at when he takes off his mask, I was like, that's not that's not how a Sith acts. And then I was like, oh, that's the point. I'm like, oh, he's not yeah. a good Sith. <gasps> this is awesome. I love this. Like, he's conflicted. I think that is the one thing that most people are forgetting is that he's literally being tugged out from both sides, right. making yeah. him actually a weak character or, well, a weak Sith. That's why I like him the most, because he's the first person who's actually tempted by right. the Force. Conflicted. We, yeah, we yeah. hear this for like 30 years of like, you know, you're being seduced by the dark. Like Anakin, when he turns to the dark side, I'm like. Well, yeah, because your mom was killed and you want to save your wife from dying. Like, it all feels very natural that he would make those decisions. Right, that's not seduction. Uh, that's just a good business plan. <laughs> yeah, well, not even a good bit. Like, this is just him being a decent person. This is common sense. Uh, and following yeah. his heart. Yeah, and having a loving relationship where what we see going on with Kylo Ren is genuine temptation. Yeah. So yeah. that is the most interesting Jedi character I've seen yet. Yeah. Favorite moment in the trilogy, even though it's a little on the nose, is when he kills Snoke. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Because you think it's a moment of him going over to the the light side, and then you think, no, this is him actually becoming full-blown evil. Because it's like, that's mm-hmm. what that's what Sith apprentices do. They kill their masters. And the lightsaber battle that follows that in- scene. Incredible. This is when I was actually talking to a very good friend of mine. He didn't like how arrogant Ghost Luke was showing up at the uh, battle. And I was like, no, I kind of like it. Like, that's what he does in Return of the Jedi when he's, you know, clearly kind of at the height of his powers. 
I really like him walking on and they like, you know, just blast him with those blasters and it just cuts to him like dusting off his shoulder afterwards. I was like, that's a mm-hmm. that's a cool like moment. And I love see around kid at the end. Like, I love that. Yeah. That last confrontation. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with you. You had seen Last Jedi. Zach, sorry. Yeah. I was talking to Zach. <laughs> you had seen The Last Jedi and uh, The Last Jedi and I had not. And you were like, hands down, it has my favorite lightsaber battle. Just I'll say that. And I saw the movie then and I was I was like, I don't know what he's talking about, because that scene with Luke, it's not really a lightsaber battle, <laughs> but I loved that showdown. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the showdown. And it was just so, um, so powerful yeah. mm-hmm. and such a. Um, such a, such a great like visual scene as well. Yeah. And and oh you know gosh. and I was talking about the throne the throne room scene. Do you know why that's my favorite lightsaber battle? Because it's tell it's us. not because <laughs> it's not yeah. just about good and evil. It's about yeah. two characters who think they've won and don't realize yeah. yet that they haven't. Because Ray thinks I've won him over. Kylo thinks I've won her over. And at the end, it's the realization of. We are exactly where we were before you killed Snoke. Nothing has changed. Yeah, which just so beautifully illustrates the larger theme of the movie of the machinery of good versus evil. Yeah, it just keeps going back and forth. Yeah, and that's and that's the other thing that I love, too. Yoda says, you know, failure is is a teacher and every character fails their mission in the movie. Every character in Last Jedi fails their mission. And still it ends with our good guys getting away but by doing things differently by learning like their lesson and moving on by letting their failures teach them i think my big thing with the last jedi when i talk to people who really dislike it is the perspective i hear a lot is uh ryan johnson didn't care about the fans he wanted to make a movie for himself he isn't thinking about what we were expecting so uh he's being selfish it just it's one of those moments for me for me when I hear that of just like I think there's such a big gulf between me and this person of like what we expect yeah, right. art to be that we are not gonna right. have common ground because we we just have fundamentally different ideas about what going I expect going to see a movie. Right. And honestly, the age of these like fan sourced criticisms and decisions like I think and I don't want to talk about this but the Sonic the Hedgehog character and the artwork <laughs> being changed and, and how much of that is true I don't care but honestly just the this age of like having to run all of your decisions and all of your like choices past all of the fans it has to run right. the gauntlet yeah. and it has to be okay with everyone like that is ridiculous that is a that is a ridiculous notion Mm -hmm. that something like this should be run by all of the star wars fans absolutely not yeah absolutely not (laughs) the internet is made you know it's democratized criticism right we've talked about this but that at least two hundred thousand people signing a petition to remove last jedi from the canon right right that is the most ridiculous thing in or these in star wars or these same people in the star wars world or these exact same people who hate the prequels so much signing a petition to get george lucas to direct episode nine that's a thing that happened And and I'm excited for episode nine. But I mean, make no mistake, J.J. was brought back because of that vocal minority making those complaints because Disney doesn't care about us. Right. They just want to write the ship and make the money. 
so they need people to be happy. So what they what they did, what actually happened was they had Colin Trujaro, director of Jurassic World. He was going to do episode nine. And then when they yeah. saw Book of Henry and all that other stuff, then they pulled him off because they were like, ooh, knock this off. And then and that's when they brought back J.J. So J.J. was back before Last Jedi happened, but they took away the new trilogy that Ryan Johnson was going to do, which was supposed to be like a spinoff. Right. I do feel like, though, there was this unspoken air of the good shepherd's back. He's going to usher us into the promised land. Yeah, they could have gotten literally yeah. anyone else, but they got the guy who made the movie that people like. Right. So JJ does not end things well. Like he loves to ask questions. He loves to set things up. He doesn't like to pay things off, though. And again, am I saying that's a bad thing? No, but that's a thing that he likes to do. Like Lost, he does that. Star Trek, he does that. Mission Impossible 3, he does that. That's just a thing that he does. And now we're going to trust him to end this trilogy? Like, it makes me nervous. Nervous and hopeful. I think it's going to be great. I hope. I, I really hope it is. Personally. I hope it is. There is a 100% chance that I'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, I just love things, though. That's what I do. I love things. <laughs> right. You love them hard. So what is your guys' favorite Star Wars movie? Well, I've said it a couple times, but 1977 Star Wars. For me, it's the one that feels the most contained and the most like a film to me which is why I think I like it the most. I like all the different elements and all the things that it's blending together. And I mean, it's the one that got it all started for me. It's one of the first movies I remember really loving. So I'm always going to have that love for it. And every time I rewatch it, I just find myself loving it more and more. Mitch, what, where do you land on this? I'm really waffling back and forth between... I love Empire. Like Empire is is the one that I have put in, you know, over the last couple of years when I'm like, eh, I want to watch a Star Wars movie. Sure. Because mm-hmm. it to me, you know, and Zach, it's funny to hear you say self-contained. I, I feel like Empire is the complete package for a Star Wars movie. Okay. It's 77, but just a little bit more fun, a little bit more off to the races. There's romance. There's more humor. There's better action. It's a little bit. Uh, more interesting cinematography, so I just like sure, it more. Sure, but man, I have just been chewing on Last Jedi lately too because mm. I yeah, it's just because Last Jedi is like spiritual yeah, to me in a I way, do like that. and you know that's my my ish. Like I love the Yoda scene where you know he's yes. not page turners, and uh, it's it just feels like uh, the whole discussion on masters and students feels it feels deeply spiritual to me so i'm gonna be a little controversial and i think i'm gonna say even with its faults because obviously like yeah casino planet and there's some logical issues i really like last jedi right now so right now it is my favorite no i like that i like that answer i think there's something very unique about the last jedi and Mm -hmm. i think too quickly star wars fans gravitate towards like the establishment it's got to be empire right the safe choice you know empire is widely considered the best star wars movie yeah you know and it's almost as if you can't be a true star wars fan unless you think empire strikes back is the best star wars movie right you know right and mine also is the original a new hope and i i feel like for me though it's it's a little different i i'm i've always been very 
sacred about the original of something or like the thing that got everything started. Uh, it's why the um, Iron Man is my favorite Avengers movie. No, you know, not that I would compare Avengers to uh, Star Wars, but I think for me, like I, I like to put myself in the place I was when I saw the first of something. Yeah. And usually that's what takes me like back and gives me the entire like emotional experience. And I think for me, A New Hope, it was what made me fall in love with the Star Wars franchise. That's a cool perspective to hear from you, Brandon, because I think you watch movies with your heart, my man. I appreciate that. And I watch them with my head in a way. And that's they're both meaningful ways to watch. But like to me, I'm like. What what's getting me thinking right now? Mm. I really want to like yeah. you know like yeah. that's and I love that and I love you liking uh, the Last Jedi. Yeah. I think that's that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think one more thing: all of the iconic cuts. Yes. Oh yeah, from Star Wars come from that first one for me. Yeah, I don't know why, but like Luke walking up on the sand mound <sighs> and seeing the suns set. That's the best shot in all of Star Wars. Yeah, it's my favorite uh, moment. I'm so period. I'm so glad to hear you yeah. say that. No, it is, yeah, I, honestly. To me, like, I'm like, okay, Star Wars, if I see a clip from A New Hope on something, doesn't doesn't matter where it is, I have to watch yeah. it then. I have to go watch it right then mm -hmm. because it's those emotions. Like, I'm powerless to a clip of A New Hope. Yeah, I think a big thing that it has for me also is, is the set pieces. Like, uh, I had a hard time in elementary school. I, I got picked on quite a bit. And Star Wars was always the thing that was going to be waiting for me when I got home, it's like when I get home, like I'm going to yeah. get to go to the Moss Eisley Cantina with, you know, Han and I'm going to get to go on the Millennium Falcon and I'm going to get to go on the Death Star and then we're going to attack the Death Star. I'm going to get to go to all these cool places. And I think that that's another thing that that has over Empire um, for me personally, but I also just the idea of like, you know, Luke, this loser kid, which I identified with all of a sudden becoming like the coolest guy in the galaxy because he was able to like yeah. harness his spiritual side. Yeah, for me, it's the settings of Empire that make that more memorable. Like, oh, we're we're on Ice Planet Hoth right away, baby. <laughs> right. And sure, we sure. gotta kill freaking Bigfoot uh, <laughs> and crawl inside a Tauntaun. And then, That's oh fun. no, there's like a battle that happens immediately. Yeah. And like Dagobah and Yoda. Uh, there's just a lot of really memorable moments in Empire for me. Uh -huh. The colors really pop. That's like something that really sticks out in my mind. Like the, the red and blue lightsaber yeah, and the yeah. dark room of Vader and, and Luke and... So uh, good. And just the green of Dagobah. It's, it just leaves this impression for me of Star Wars. It feels like this fantastic otherworldly thing. Yeah, I also love just no. little character moments like Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. I just love when Darth Vader, the most evil man in the galaxy, points to Boba and says, no disintegrations. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, that guy got like, yeah. he got the most evil man to tell him to like knock it down a peg. Question for you guys, I am your father. Did you guys know or was it a surprise for you? Did I know that it was, yeah, it was spoiled. Before when we heard. watched it the first time, it was a surprise for me. What was that like? I knew Zip about Star Wars when I watched it the first time. Thinking back, I was so lucky, so fortunate. Because Toy Story 2 ruined that for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, like, it is such a part of, like, pop culture now that I don't, I feel like it would be impossible not to know that secret. But I think I thought it was a lie at first. I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. I think I thought 
he is just trying to mess with Luke right now. Mm. This isn't true. This isn't true. It's not true. No, it's not true. It's not true. I remember feeling very, very (laughs) betrayed. I I remember feeling betrayed, I think. I'm so glad I was able to watch that untainted by pop culture. Right. And I was totally tainted. So yeah, right. every yeah. detail where Ben, old Ben's shady about Vader's past. You're like, oh, obviously. Right. Obviously. Right. Are Star Wars fans the worst? Coming from three Star Wars fans. <laughs> Star Wars fans, I've written you a note. Your behavior is unacceptable. Star Wars was an escape for many people. It was a safe place for many people. And what have we done? We nearly led Ahmed Best to suicide because we couldn't let Jar Jar go. Kelly Marie mm-hmm. Tran left the internet. George Lucas is miserable. But, and why? Because you didn't like a movie. Their mental health isn't worth anything to you guys. Like, calm down. I think that's the part that makes Star Wars fans awful for me. Less so than them being nitpicky about details of the movie. It's that they are openly antagonistic and sexist and racist Mm -hmm. and cruel bullies uh, to people to the and bullying to the point that people have had their lives destroyed. Yeah. Little Jake Lloyd is Mm. not doing, you know, you know, it's a sad story. It is. So when I think about them, honestly, it's we're having this discussion of like, you know, I I call myself a Christian, but, you know, like I wouldn't put the KKK out there, right, as being like representative of Christianity. Right. Star Wars fans do feel like the KKK of fandom (laughs) to me in some ways. Like (laughs) I've never met a Lord of the Rings fan that has like bullied someone into, you know, leaving the Internet. Right. Right. I, I meet most Star Wars fans I meet are someone antagonistic about it right and that's the thing and i think that's the thing i mean about the nitpicking is that like there's no they people would rather talk about what they hate in these movies than what they like people would rather talk Mm -hmm. about like you know the dumb little things that don't matter than the things that are good and why you know like my my heart really goes out for ahmed best like you know jar jar yeah i don't like him either but like give the guy a break like you wouldn't turn down that role I wouldn't turn down Jar Jar. Nobody would turn down that mm-hmm. role. Like, Mm-mm. calm down. People. Daniel Day Lewis wouldn't turn down Jar Jar. Well, he. Probably, I mean, it's a Star he, Wars movie. He turned down Lord of the Rings three <laughs> times. So, I think. <laughs> see, to me, that's not that's not what being a fan is, is all about. Yeah. yeah, being being a fan is about loving something, uh, you know, and 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 appreciating its faults and cheering when it gets something right and you know it's just like it yeah. it's not about it's not about criticizing everything there's another name for right. that you know mm. and and honestly and i think uh, being a star wars fan I means you just you just love the movies you love star wars yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh being the quality control officer for star wars is not like that's not in the job description of being a fan yeah. you know what i'm saying like this mm-hmm. this is that whole like crowdsourced criticism you know, like this, just the gauntlet. I'm not saying that there's not a place for criticism, like w- yeah. this show, um, our, my life. Like, you know, there's a place for criticism, but you you don't attack the people who are making it. You know, you can say like this this choice doesn't work, or I didn't, or I didn't care for this because <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Like that's the thing. Like there's constructive criticism. There's bullying. 
And then there's relentless cruelty. And I feel like Star Wars fans have like run straight past the line into relentless cruelty. If we could all just like remind ourselves and look in the mirror and say, you know, in Anakin Skywalker's voice, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy. You don't want to be like that, right? You don't want to be Anakin. And that's what it like. We can be critical, but... You know, if I disagree with you on Rogue One, it doesn't mean you're my enemy, right? Yeah. It just means we, we have different opinions about yeah. a silly movie. Again, you know, I have I have very dear friends and people who I love who don't like Last Jedi. But let's talk about it. Like, let's let's talk. Let's have opinions. Let's have a conversation without us screaming and yelling at each other. Like, let's try to understand each other. <laughs> forget about the internet opinions for a minute and just ask ourselves, what does Star Wars mean to me? I think Star Wars for me is everything that's good about film. Yes. It represents in many ways a spiritual awakening for me. I still remember the first time I saw A New Hope. My brother and I would spend the night at my grandma's house occasionally, and she would always make a movie selection. And when we were younger, the movie was probably like some Disney selection or something kid friendly. And as we started to get older, my grandma was able to introduce us to movies that were her favorite and movies that she loved. And I just have the most vivid memory of sitting down with my brother, watching A New Hope for the first time and truly like understanding what it means to love a movie Mm -hmm. and the the difference between like a quality movie and something not so great. And this is a memory that I will always cherish and um, just a very special time with me and my grandma and and my brother. Mm. Yeah. As I said earlier, this podcast probably doesn't exist without Star Wars. I probably wouldn't be doing what I do now for a living, teaching kids theater without Star Wars. I still remember, like you were saying, Brandon, being in my parents' basement in like the third grade, putting in that VHS for the first time and just getting totally lost in this world of Star Wars and just being able to to take it all in and for it to be so overwhelming in the best way and something that I I just wanted more of just rewatching it Mm -hmm. over and over feeling like I couldn't get enough Star Wars. Like I was saying, recording my favorite lines of dialogue on cassette tapes, recording myself saying my favorite lines on cassette tapes. And then, you know, a, a year later I asked for a video camera so I could make my own movies as a kid. Like Star Wars was the springboard that led me into loving film and it's it's great because a lot of times when you go back to something that was formative for you as a child you look at it and you go oh you know it wasn't it wasn't that good but it's been yeah. especially with the uh the, the specialized editions just re-watching those now and going man they are like they really are that good like you know, the you have fantastic characters, you have fantastic writing, you have fantastic world building. It's everything that a film is supposed to be and then some. There's just so much and it's so rich and Star Wars has given me so much. And like I was saying, there's more Star Wars films that I don't enjoy than I do. But man, those Star Wars films that I love, I adore. That's a really mm-hmm. beautiful sentiment. 
it's it's kind of like when you grow up and you start making your your family's recipes and you'll yeah. you'll taste it and you're like oh this isn't now that i know how to cook this isn't quite as good as i thought it was growing up right right, right. <laughs> like it's good but it's not that good uh there are very few things that are evergreen you know like i i feel like especially today in like 2019 i I'm waiting on bated breath for like everything I like is going to be ruined by something. Right. Some sort of scandal or I'm just going to get a year <laughs> older and realize it sucks. But yeah, it's, yeah. you're you're so right. It It is not the case with the original Star Wars movies. They just they never change. They're there. They're always going to make me happy. And the the one thing that I thought about when I thought about this question was Star Wars to me represents permission to be nerdy because i kept my distance from this franchise for a long time because i was just very much a kid who was like that's not for me that's for nerds <laughs> i'm not a nerd i'm mitch luckily i had a really really cool roommate in college who kind of convinced me to give it a shot and it's not just a movie it's a world that yeah. you fall into yeah. you watch it and then you watch it again and you watch it again and you just find more and more things to to like and love about the movies. So it's a special experience for me having grown more fond of them in my adulthood, uh, which I think is a little bit unique to people who were raised with them. But yeah, very special movies. brings our episode on Star Wars to a close. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. We would love to hear your opinion on our episode or any other movie-related topic. So, if you haven't already, hop on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. We can be found at the Is It Really Podcast. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a little spare time and you like what you hear, we would love it if you would take a minute to rate and review our podcast. We appreciate your support. Well, this closes out 2019 for The Real Boys. We are going to take a much-needed break to enjoy the holidays and spend a little time with our families. But fear not, we will be back in the new year with a very exciting lineup of episodes for your listening enjoyment. In the meantime, I'm Brandon Sharp, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas. And remember, the Force will be with you always. We'll see you next time.